I'm Sophie Gray. And I'm Nerida Ashcroft. And you're listening to I Wasn't Expecting That, a podcast where we discuss issues affecting women in the sandwich years, like us, caught between ageing parents and our own millennial offspring. We aren't cougars or golden girls. Most of us are too knackered, to be honest. We've got jobs or careers of our own, but are still the on-call carers for partners, parents and offspring, while still dealing with all our own stuff. Stuff we weren't necessarily expecting, and that no other generation has had to face in quite the same way. In this week's podcast, we're talking about travel. I've been to New Zealand, Canada, San Francisco, La La Land. I would want to go to America and Disney World. Yes, I've been there. It's very cool. I've never ever been to Disney World. The plane food sucks. I tell you that. You might might like there, and then maybe when you're old and you've got enough money, you you might go live over there. Maybe if you're going to toilet and someone, you know, just knocks really hard on the door because they, they want to go in or something. And, like, swear words are bad when you're travelling. Terry Pratchett said, Why do you go away? So that you can come back. So that you can see the place you came from with new eyes and extra colours. And the people there see you differently too. Coming back to where you started is not the same as never leaving. So true. See, I think that's interesting because... When I was young, I had no desire to travel whatsoever. No, neither did I. Right. So no. you didn't do an OE? No, I didn't. No. But um, you, you have done so much travelling. Yeah. I mean, we were late bloomers as far as right. that sort of stuff goes. Yeah. I, don't, I, I remember being in my 20s and hearing of people doing this OE, but I never had any interest in doing it myself. In fact, it terrified me. Going, to, going to a country where they didn't speak English, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I was... Absolutely the same. You know, my my best friend from school, um, the minute she left school, she was saving for her OE and then she disappeared off overseas for a good couple of years doing that whole nannying and working in pubs and all of that. And I just, I couldn't bring myself to do that. Yeah. Um, When we were kids, we did travel a little bit. So did a couple of trips to um, Australia to see my mum's family. And then um, my dad took each of us, my sister and I, when we were 11, he took us to the UK for six weeks, just us and our dad, um, to visit the family and all of that. Um, And, you know, so we did a stop off on the way and a stop off on the way back. So when he took me, we stopped in LA one way and Hong Kong on the way back. And then when we we spent, you know, a good chunk of um, the six weeks in the UK, and then we went up to Scotland as well, where he had family. Um, and that was all a really eye-opening experience mm. for me, particularly Hong Kong. I have incredible, vivid, imprinted memories of seeing Hong Kong as an 11-year-old. So I think maybe somewhere in my unconscious, I felt like I already knew that I lived somewhere incredible. Right. So I didn't have that sense that a lot of my friends had where, oh, New Zealand's such a backwater, you know, I've got to go yeah, overseas. Right. And then they go overseas and suddenly realise that we live in a jewel. Yeah. Um, I already kind of knew that. 
Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, our first big trip, we went to the States because they spoke English there. Right, okay. Well, they still speak English there. <laughs> well, a version of English. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, you know, it was an eye-opener nonetheless. And that was you and Rob yeah. went together. Yeah. yeah. So we um, we uh, bought a car and we drove from one side to the other side. Right. So that was a really big adventure and the idea was to camp. And there were just so many things about it that was just so different to New Zealand that made us really appreciate New Zealand. Mm. For example, like the whole idea of camping, we thought, oh, that's really cool. We'll go to a campground and then we'll cook in the kitchen there and we'll kind of get chatting with other campers and get to know them a little bit. Like happens here. Yeah, that's right. But they don't have kitchens. Right. And it's all set up for RVs. RVs. And so right. you'd put your tent on this little gravel patch where an RV would go. Right. Or it would be in this beautiful spot next to a lake, but there would be like a couple of toilets and that's it. Definitely no kitchen. So it was like, oh, this is really, really different. And I so, guess then you didn't have the internet to go no. and do a whole bunch of research no. or anything like that. No, we didn't have any such thing. So we had no idea really what we were getting ourselves into and our car broke down several times so we had to get that fixed so it was all of those sorts of adventures that mm. kind of make it really exciting I suppose. Do you think that that doing that made you more resilient did it change you? Yeah I think if you're in a situation where you are overseas and you don't know who to contact and you don't know how to deal with something but then you do sort it all out that makes you feel like well, actually, look at me. I managed to solve that all by myself. That, uh, <laughs> I, I do totally get that. Mm. So like you, most most of my travelling has been done sort of in well into my adulthood. Mm. Um, I haven't done a lot of travelling on my own. I've done a few couple of trips to Australia for filming things and so on. But last year when we were doing our trip to Europe to see my relatives in England, or my husband's relatives primarily, my father-in-law was taken terribly ill while we were in Rome and so my husband had to leave Rome early um, to rush to his father's bedside and I didn't want to miss out on the very expensive Vatican tour that we had Mm. booked. So despite the fact that I was faintly terrified, never having sort of been in Europe on my own, I said, no, no, you go Uh, and... You know, I'll make my own way yeah. to the UK and we'll meet up there. And I I was quite petrified, but also really excited mm. and, you know, had dinner on my own in Rome and, you know, got myself up to my Vatican tour. And I mean, they're little, little things for a woman my age to be experiencing as triumphs. But for me, they were... They were triumphs. And that if Rich had been there, honestly, we've had some of our most challenging arguments when we've been Mm travelling overseas. There is just nothing quite like the row that you have in the middle of the street in a foreign country. (laughs) Um, Just Uh, awful. So um, it was absolutely amazing. And then I had to get myself to the airport and onto the plane. I I hear you. I had the same experience a couple of years ago. I... I was doing the Camino with a group of friends, but prior to doing that, I had to fly up to Berlin. I was going to see my brother. Mm. And at the last minute, he said, oh, I'm so sorry, but I've actually booked a trip. And so you're going to be here for a few days on your own. And I'm like, great. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I'd love to be able to do. You know, just experience all of these things on my own. Get myself to and from the airport and work out the subway system all by myself. It was was a triumph, like you say. You know that you 
can yeah. because everybody else yeah. does and all of these things, they're geared up so that they can be understood. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't done it before and if, like me, you are the least intrepid traveller ever, then it's faintly terrifying. It is. Um, and so getting myself even from... Heathrow into the centre of London and getting myself into my hotel and then mm. off to the theatre that had already been booked for that night and so I'm doing all of that on my own. They were just ridiculous little victories that gave me a tr- tremendous amount of satisfaction and confidence in myself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when Rich is there, he is so good at organising um, sometimes he forgets to tell me what he's organised, so I'm just kind of trailing along in his wake um, because he will have organised every single little connection. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden I'm having to work these things out for myself. And, and it's, it's so oh. good. Yeah. I know. I remember when we did go to the States when we were in our 20s, Rob and I, and uh, I woke up in the morning and Rob had said, oh, I've worked out the subway. I know where we're going. We're going to go here and we're going to go there and we're going to go there and there and there and there. And I remember being slightly disappointed because it's like, oh, I wanted to work that out too. Or couldn't, <laughs> or couldn't we do it together? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, what? Part of me was like, oh, great, I don't have to think. Yeah. But I was slightly disappointed. So fast forward a million years and I was able to do that a couple of years ago in Berlin, which was a thrill. Ridiculous at my age to, you know, have these sorts of things. And I think it's great for young people to go overseas and do these sorts of things and work it out because they're getting that you know, they're having those triumphs and getting that confidence at such a young age. It's great. Well, I've been amazed with my daughter who's done two extensive European trips um, at how super organised she is. So like her dad, she's got everything booked and she's, you know, booking it all online and, you know, this connection to here and there. It's so much easier with Google, eh? I mean, to be able to do all this stuff online. I've never had to do it. So I think that actually also adds to my sense of feeling quite intimidated by it because Rich is just so good at it. He's just Mm. gone ahead and done it. It's not even like we do it together. He'll just say, oh, I've booked this, that and the other. It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I don't even know what all of those connections are. But then we get there and he hasn't even considered what there is to do when you're there. Right. So... So then I'm the one saying, oh, we, you know, I read that this is really good and so-and-so suggested we do this and mm. da 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 So it's like, you know, I end up being program director um, once we get there. But it is, uh, yeah, I think probably it would be good a good experience for me to have to do it yeah, all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, we are terrible at um, doing research before we go to anywhere, whether it's in New Zealand or overseas or anything. So we'll get to a place and somehow while away our time, get back home and then somebody's like, oh, did you go to so-and-so? <laughs> Oh, didn't even know that was there. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Happens every time I'm finally clicking on that a bit of research is a good idea. <laughs> well, I've also learnt that in some places paying the money to do a good tour yes is it it just changes your whole experience that you know if you're going to spend you know uh, one of your whole precious days somewhere you're never going to get to again and you're going to spend that in a queue yeah actually paying the money for the skip the queue tour yes so you get to see the thing that you really hoped to see yeah. so for me going to the Vatican wasn't a religious experience it was an art experience I wasn't interested in the Sistine Chapel um, it was some of the other artwork that I really wanted to see so I had a quick glance at the Sistine Chapel um, but then I was back out 
admiring some of the amazing artwork and some of the galleries we'd been skimmed past, mm. but that I could never have found on my own. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was just amazing. And, you know, we, when I'm leaving, uh, you know, you're passing people in the queue that you recognize that have been standing out in the beating sun for yeah. hours and the day is getting on and on and on. I just know. thinking, well, now I'm going to go and have a lovely lunch. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, have a gelato and <laughs> I've got a chance to look in some shops that I'd never be able to go in if Rich was still here. Yeah, and like, exactly. Yeah. I'm a big fan of walking tours. They're mm. quite popular in uh, Europe. So they say it's a free walking tour and it is essentially free. You can do it for free. You, you you know you ring up and you put your name down and you do this tour. And then at the end they say, well, if you thought that was great, you know you can make a contribution to right. however much you think it's worth. And it is worth paying for. We were very happy to pay our ten euros or whatever it we right. sort of thought it was. But you know you can actually kind of disappear off and not pay, and nobody right. would say anything to yeah. you. Okay. Um, and the knowledge that you pick up is just awesome. See, I, I do like exploring at street level. So um, we had an interesting experience last year on our way to the UK because I had to, um, some work to do for a hotel client, the Cordis in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Um, so we had the opportunity to stay in a very nice hotel. Um, and I just wanted to spend all of my time down at street level in the markets and mm. shopping. And I couldn't prize Richard off the 34th floor um, where, you know, he was just loving being up there and, you know, admiring the view and taking advantage of all of the lovely things the hotel had to offer. And one of the things they, they did was a free walking tour led by one of their staff. Oh, um, wow. So around the, all the little local markets and shops just within the vicinity of the hotel. And that was really interesting. So it was me and a couple of other families, a Canadian family and an Austrian family and this you know young guy who's a porter or you know just has some job in the hotel it was his turn to to take the guests so you get to you know so every day that you did it you'd get somebody different and they would tell you something different and show you slightly different things Mm. and um, I asked him some questions and there was one fruit that I wanted to know what it was and he didn't know and he kind of he went into this complete panic and in the end he (laughs) rang his mum (laughs) to ask her what the fruit was it was hilarious but really rather lovely but you know I couldn't get enough of being down at street level. And I'm the same in any city. I want to be outside and Mm. walking around and kind of drinking it in and observing the way people live and what they're ordering when they go into the patisserie so I don't make a complete tit of Mm. myself and that kind of thing. And I'm a supermarket geek. So I always want to trail around a supermarket. It's and funny, those eh? things. The supermarket is often the first place we'll go as well. It's like, oh, what are, you know? What products are they selling? Oh, you can get a bottle they? of wine for three euro. I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> With a screw top, that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> Which tastes like vinegar, but yeah. Anyway. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We loved going into the supermarkets when we've been in various places. All the different products you can get, and it's all so cheap. But you've been you've been to some wildly exotic places. I mean, you did the Camino that was last year, mm-hmm. but you've been to. Did you go to Bhutan? Yeah, well, and Nagaland. Yeah, so I've been to Nagaland, which is right up the top of India, way over to the east, kind of on its own a little bit. And that was, um, yeah, that was a real experience. In fact, we were told to stay in our hotel room because at the time there was a bit of unrest in the area, so you couldn't wander down the street at right. all. Yeah, so that was kind of a little disappointing to, to miss out on that. But we did, um, we wanted to get into Bhutan. Um, but it's two hundred dollars a day for a visa to get in. Right, okay. well, it was then. I think it's they've 
changed it now. Uh, so they smuggled us over in a van. Right, okay. Which was, that really appeals to me, that sort of excitement and adventure. But as a blonde European woman, did you feel vulnerable? Uh, I, I was stared at constantly. I mean, we were in a group of people and um, there was, you know, we had tour guides as well. So I never felt unsafe because we were always in a collective group. Right. Um, but, yeah, you know, you walk past men and they just openly, jaw-droppingly stare at you and it's really unnerving right. and I guess kind of rude. You know, in yeah. our culture we'd consider it rude. You know, I, yeah. I, it felt uncomfortable but you just kind of got used to it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, f- I had a couple of odd experiences in Italy last year where I felt quite vulnerable and got approached by strange men in the street at, at my age, um, which I found really quite unnerving. Oh, what um, happened? Uh, at one point uh, um, I was just walking down a little lane in Sorrento and there was no one else around. It was the early evening. I don't know what Rich was doing, but I was just doing my lovely strolling around the streets and drinking it all in. My pinch me, I'm actually here, I can't quite yeah, believe this. Yeah. Um, and this guy was riding past on his little scooter and then he stopped and turned round and scooted up to me and just started kind of chatting and, you know, being a bit friendly and I just walked very, 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 very briskly away. But, mm. yeah, I had a couple of incidents like that where I was on my own walking around mm. and suddenly found myself feeling vulnerable. Mm. Uh, in Italy, didn't didn't happen in London. Um yeah, so I think their approach to the way they treat women mm. is different and that maybe I had, by being out on my own at that time, maybe that's well, one thing a that, cultural thing that I shouldn't have done. I right, don't know. maybe. But I mean, it was light. Thing, it wasn't dark. Yeah, that is kind of scary. I mean, one thing I have figured out is that New Zealand, we value tourists highly because mm. they bring in that the mm. dollar and we do tend to treat them well. But in Europe, they don't care about tourists. No. They don't care about service no. at all. Yeah. So I found that kind of rather shocking, actually, yeah. that you'd go into a restaurant and nobody cares that you're there and they're really slow to serve you and they just clearly just don't care. Yeah. It's appalling. Yeah, it is. And that that can rather sully your mm. experience. And well, especially because we have high standards, I think, from coming from New Zealand. And and also when we're going to Europe, it's a really long way and it's yeah. cost us a lot of money. And we've got this romantic idea in our heads as to what it's going to be like and yeah. then you're given this really crappy non-service. It's like, yeah. yeah, don't like this place. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. So for me, one of the obstacles I have to get over with travelling as well is my terror. Um, but, you know, I'm not a brave person. I worry about absolutely everything. Um, and flying has always been has been an issue for me since a really scary flight in my 20s. Mm. Um, so, so the whole thing about flying by plane shifted from the logical side of my brain into the emotional side of my brain as in this terrifying flight um, where my watch face popped out as the plane plummeted and oh, wow. yeah so That's anyway it was, it was it was really scary mm. um and for for quite a few years it really was quite limiting mm. because my anxiety around any opportunity to go overseas almost overrode my willingness to go and in the end I decided that that was just ridiculous um and that these things actually hardly ever happen 
uh, and that I needed to get over it. So I did a little online fear of flying course, which was free, but that I actually found enormously helpful. Um, and it's made a huge difference to oh, my cool. willingness to actually get on a plane and, and to not be robbed of the the excitement. Mm. So when we did our first Europe trip when our kids were in their teens and we really wanted to take them to see their grandparents and yeah, it was a big deal for us and the, the um, exchange rate was really terrible so everything was costing us three times oh, as much. No, yeah. You know, so you're there with your kids. We didn't have a lot of money yeah. but you know and, and from, so there was a lot of kind of things to get over but for me the biggest thing of all was getting on the plane mm. and I went to see the doctor and see and she said oh I can give you something marvelous and you'll you'll sleep through the flight and it'll be absolutely fine and then we were driving to the airport and I thought I don't want to miss this experience with my family so I could sleep through this whole thing mm. or I could actually be part of it with my family mm. and then I really surprised myself because I used the things that I'd learned to my fear of fly flying yeah, course and you. and actually it's been really really good I have I have had some slips where um, I've been sitting next to somebody on the plane and I've been overcome with the terror and I've ended up um, interrogating them for the whole flight. Honestly, I know more about some people than their gynecologist <laughs> by the end of a 60-minute flight because I have made them speak to me the whole time because I am so terrified. Yep. Right, yeah. um, and, but that actually has also been really interesting. I've met some fascinating people mm. who've been terrifically stimulating company particularly just flying between New Zealand and Australia or even just around New Zealand you suddenly find you're you've gone, gone to Wellington for the day for something for an event or whatever and you might be sitting next to the same person there and back so and that's happened to me we've picked up the conversation oh, and, how bizarre yeah Gosh. so that's been quite interesting so so getting over my fear mm. that's been a really big deal still don't know if I could do a cruise Oh. That frightens me. I don't know if I want to do a cruise either. No, um, cruises don't appeal to me, but I've never done one, so maybe it might when I'm on there. I don't know. My husband's really keen because his dad worked for the ports of Auckland way, way back, and so his family got a 90% discount. Right. So as a family, they did a couple of cruises. Right. And, you know, back then, they were mega bucks. Right. And he's from a really large family, so it was a pretty big deal. Anyway, um, just to say that they he just had an amazing time, just has really great memories of these cruises so he's dying to do another one it's just me that's like eh, I'd rather not yeah well I see, you see these sort of videos of you know ships being tossed around in yeah, terrible well, weather and it's like you know 2,000 people on a vomiting. floating petri dish yeah and, I know you know and the idea of you know some of them they are just like giant shopping malls slash casinos mm. so that doesn't appeal but the, but then you see an Alaska cruise, and I think, wow, that would be yeah. amazing. Yeah, that would appeal to um, me, something like that. So that uh, and the pros, some of the river cruises that you can do, like the European ones, some the of those Danube, look, yeah. they look amazing. So I yeah. think it's the open water stuff that, are, 
Yeah. I find fate and sheriff. But I'd really, really love to go on a container ship. What? I, work, I look at container ships on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and when I see a container ship coming in or out of the harbour, my heart skips. It's weird. Wow. You should really investigate that. Do <laughs> what that. do you mean with a therapist? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can you can get on those sorts of ships still, you can, I You think. can. Yeah. You can go as They're a passenger. They're really expensive, though. Oh, right. Okay. So I'd be quite happy just to go in or out of the harbour. Right. You know, to do, do it just as they're coming into the harbour. I think that would just be amazing. I'd love that. Wow. I don't, and I don't quite know why. That is um, really odd. But I find it really stirring. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'd really like to go to a real um, dangerous country, actually. I think that would be kind of fascinating. I'm not sure that I could really go into a place like Syria or something because that would right. be scary. But a place like... I don't know, a real Muslim country right. where you're really in the heart of it. I think I'd like to do that, just for the experience. Right. It would probably irk me a lot because I don't really agree with a lot of the things in their culture. Mm. But just for a few days, just to see what it's like, it would be fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, not feeling that myself. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I say, you know, if, you if go I, in your container ship. If I got the opportunity to do it, I would do it because I don't want to let my worries about all sorts of things that hardly ever happen. I don't want them mm. to be life limiting. So I work quite hard at not doing that. But in the back of my mind, I'd be thinking, well, if I got kidnapped, then I'm just a burden mm. to everybody. So the other thing that worries me, it's like I, I've, I always wanted to go to India, but I, my gut is broken. So if I got Mm. Delhi belly for me that's a nightmare. that's an admission to hospital and multiple rehydrations and at that point you are a liability yeah, yeah. Um, whereas for somebody else they just feel a bit sick and they you know whatever whereas for me I end up actually too ill and it becomes a problem for yeah, the people that you're with. Yeah, and it's good to know that and good to think that through and have that in the back of your mind when you're planning trips. Cause, yeah. So you make sure that they have a well-equipped bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, you're going away, you know, I'm thinking we go away for two weeks. I want to be fit and well and healthy for those yeah. two weeks and so I'll do everything I can to make sure of that. I don't want to end up with a cold as soon as I arrive Yeah. or you eat something dodgy and then you're in the toilet for the next five days or yeah. something. Well, my sister, like you, been to lots of sort of exotic places and she's never really got ill anywhere she's gone but um when she's in india she always chooses to she just eats vegetarian and she never ever ever drinks the welcome drink mm. um whereas my brother-in-law he will say oh is this safe for me to drink and they'll say yes yes, yes it's safe for you so <laughs> he'll drink sick. it and then he gets sick um, oh does he yeah yeah oh. so yeah no he's he's been sick in foreign countries on a few occasions now from just, you know, and and his inherent, you know, wanting to be uh, polite mm. as well. So they'll offer him something and, and Fran will pretend to drink it or just decline it or something, whereas he'll um, soldier on and drink it and then suffer the consequences. So, wow. Yeah. yeah, and I've never been really sick in any countries. Have you ever been really frightened? No. Great. That's, no. See, that's encouraging really. for somebody like me who is not intrepid. I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I just have too much of a gung-ho attitude. She'll be right, mate, sort of a thing. <laughs> but that but that is probably a really good thing because if you're not looking for trouble, then you won't, mm. you know. I mean, some sometimes I, do, I wouldn't notice things. Like um, Rich and I were in London um, a couple of years ago. We'd been to the London Book Fair um, with the, to see the publishers. 
Uh, and then we were walking back and he, he was trying to get a ticket to a football match that I had no interest in. Um, but we ended up walking through this sort of dodgy area behind the football club and all of a sudden Rich grabbed my arm and he just said come on we're going we're going um, and picked up the pace like you wouldn't believe and I'm kind of looking around he's going don't look around just keep walking and I was completely oblivious to this whole sort of drug dealing scenario oh. that was going on in and around us and all of the dodgy characters and but it's like his radar from growing up in right. the UK was much more attuned Whereas I was just completely oblivious to the fact that actually we'd we'd walked into a whole situ that was unfolding right, that, yeah. that people like us shouldn't yeah, have been present scary. for. Actually, so, that does remind me I have been in a scary situation um, when I was in Barcelona and we were going to one of the Gaudi things, um, mm. the place where the gingerbread houses. Oh are, yeah, 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 um, yeah, in called. the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I left the park and I was by myself and I was trying to make my way back to the subway to get back to the hotel and I was just so lost. I just couldn't work out where the heck I was. Anyway, walking along a road, completely abandoned, nobody there, no person at all. Right. But there was one man and he was walking along the street and he was lifting the door handle up of every single car trying to right. see if it, it was unlocked. unlocked. I was like, oh, gosh, <laughs> he's dodgy. I don't know where I am. This is really scary. I didn't know what to do. I had no idea where to go. I didn't have Google Maps on my phone. I was really lost. Um, kind of ended up following my nose down alleyways. You know, my heart's just racing. I'm yeah. thinking, I've got to find No one him. knows where I am. I know. I can't get in touch with anybody. Um, so I've, there's got to be a main road somewhere. Finally, I hit upon a main road and made my way back. But honestly, my heart was racing so much. I was you so suddenly scared. aware of your vulnerability. Yeah. Have you worried about your girls when they've been overseas? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I do think about what they're up to and, and, and school them and making sure that they trust their gut, actually. You know, I think you can't go past that. I'm, I made um, my my daughter watch Taken, the movie. Oh, wow. Um, just, just to be aware. Um, and then actually when she was in Europe last year and she was travelling with her girl cousin, we got a text message saying... Um, OMG, Katie and I were nearly taken. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and they had a really scary experience in Paris. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so they'd done an overnight, I think they did the overnight ferry from, I must have been from the UK or I don't know, something like that. They'd been up all night, ended up in a railway station and they were sort of fumbling around trying to sort out tickets and some woman came up wearing a lanyard and ended up separating them and, you know, persuading them to go in different directions and that, you know, they suddenly realised in their sort of befuddled state mm. that that they were being separated and, you know, at oh, this point wow. one of them's down one end of the street and one's been taken to a oh, cash flow wow. machine somewhere else and this woman's on the phone and they can see a man in the distance heading towards them and they suddenly realised that they were really quite vulnerable and there was something going on that right. wasn't people with lanyards trying to help you. It was people with lanyards trying to not help you. Um, and so they kind of made eye contact and ran together and grabbed their stuff and went ran off and ran into a cafe. That's good. Until these people disappeared. But it was like, for us, it was like, oh, 
Oh, I know. So As scary. a parent, it's like what well, could have happened. I know exactly. And Paris is kind of known for that, for, for that kind of yeah, stuff. And, and so and, is Italy. And it was the week after that English girl had been um, abducted. Oh. You know, the the model girl. Oh. So it was like, oh gosh, you know, yep. So we were a bit freaked out by that, but but. You know, it just it's one of those But it's things. just such a confidence-giving experience, travel, isn't it? I think you just can't go past it, really. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too, that um, I was just doing a little bit of research around um, whether or not travel is actually good for your mental health. Um, so the things that we've talked about where, you know, it's actually really quite good for building your confidence and your resilience. Um, but there is also some research that says it's it's good when you are trying to recover from, um, you know, a challenging life situation or whatever, um, that you can... Uh, the, the quote that I came across said, exploring new places can also give you a fresh start if you're recovering from a major transition in your life. Mm. That it actually gives you the opportunity to reinvent yourself. Mm. That you go somewhere where you're not known um, so people don't have any specific expectations. So you can create a new version of yourself in that environment. Um, travel can boost happiness and satisfaction, um, aside from the obvious fact that you're not going to work and you can legitimately have a piece of pizza for breakfast. Mm. Um, traveling gives you the opportunity to step away from the daily grind, whatever that might be, so it's good for your mental health. Um, in that respect, it, it can help you grow resilience. But there is also some research that says it enhances creativity, um, which I thought was quite interesting um, because it, and the rationale for that is that it increases your cognitive flexibility, that you're mm. actually having to make adjustments right. all the time. And there have been multiple studies um, into the connection between crea creativity and international study, mm. uh, international travel rather. So, you know, if, you're if you've reached some kind of a creativity block, going overseas might legitimately help that, which is kind of well, I like interesting. that idea. Yeah. So, you know, oh, no, I really need to um, go to Fiji for a week in yep. the sun because it's going to increase my cognitive flexibility. Yep. Thank you very much. Yep. So. Tell that to your boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all we have to say on the subject. And clearly, we aren't experts. So if you want to have your say, then jump onto our Instagram page and join the conversation. You'll find us at I wasn't expecting that NZ on Instagram. The NZ at the end is important. If you want to find us, that is, not the other I wasn't expecting that's on Instagram because you might really get something you weren't expecting. It's a photo app after all. I Wasn't Expecting That is available via the Apple Podcast app. If you don't have it, download it now. Or Android users, find us via the Google Podcast app for Android. And why not subscribe so you never miss an episode? I Wasn't Expecting That is brought to you by Now To Love, their New Zealand's largest dedicated woman's lifestyle website. Visit Now To Love for the latest celebrity, royals, health, lifestyle and parenting news, committed to telling great stories that bring people together. 